And, and really the main question is, well, is God the cause of sin? So does, um, you know, whenever a person sins, does that person sin uh, of his own, you know, so-called free will? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, is does he sin because that's what he was predestined to do by God, who is ultimately the cause of even um, people's sins? And that's really uh, the big question. And, um, you know, some people... <laughs> Some Calvinists, they'll just say, yep, 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 he's the, uh, he predestines all things, therefore he, uh, he's, he's the uh, author and cause of even evil. Well, welcome to City Square Podcast, where we talk with everyday people about faith and work. My guest this episode is Mark Gadgeton. He's a father, husband, and system supervisor from DFW, Texas. Uh, thanks for joining me, Mark. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Micah. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to be sitting down and chatting with you. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what we get into tonight. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this podcast where where we talk about um, uh, faith and work. Um, and so we'll be talking a little bit with Mark about his background and um, you know, his spiritual journey as he went from point A to point B and, and the, the journey in between. So, um, Mark, tell me a little bit about yourself. You, where did you grow up? I, uh, was born in Virginia, um, Virginia beach. And, um, so I lived there most of my life, um, through high school. Um, but, and then after, after high school, you know, I just kind of wanted to get away. <laughs> uh, moved all the way across the country to California. Um, and I went to school there. I, I, I did some years of college there uh, in California. Um, and then uh, a- after that, I actually ended up back in Virginia, Interesting, interestingly enough. Gotcha. So what, what actually took you to California? Was it just you needed a new, uh, change of scenery. Yeah. Change yeah. scenery, new horizons, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I love Virginia. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place with lots of history and, um, but, you know, just, uh, growing up, you know, sometimes it's, um, you just kind of want to do something different. Um, you know, kind of maybe uh, change up, change up the scene or something along those lines. And uh, that's largely what led me to California, uh, which was um, definitely an experience and uh, vast, vast difference from, from Virginia. But what was, what was the number one, like biggest change then? Oh, uh, probably, you know, like, uh, because I was pretty, pretty close to, um, <clears throat> LA, not far from LA. So mm-hmm. it was just, uh, you know, a big city, whereas Virginia is more, um, suburban. Um, so that was definitely, it. uh, definitely, uh, you know, just the number of people, um, it was, yeah, it was a significant change. 
Did you like it in California or? Yeah, I had a great time out there, <laughs> you know, wasn't, um, was not my best years, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I had fun while I was out there, uh, and good uh, fun or, or fun that you, fun that you shouldn't talk about fun that, uh, yeah, fun that I probably shouldn't talk about. Yeah. Gotcha. But, okay. You know, it was, uh, like I said, it was a good experience and, um, <laughs> okay well we can leave that um so um, i met my wife or my 2b wife at the time okay so that was important so it wasn't a total loss then <laughs> yeah so you know the lord knows what he's doing and um sure you know while i don't he does and so while i was out there i met um who was to become my wife and uh so yeah you could say that's pretty important yeah okay um how did you guys meet through a mutual friend uh that would be the short story of it <laughs> okay yeah through a mutual friend he introduced us and um we had we had crossed paths um before that but um we didn't really you know we went to different schools but i hung out with a lot of people from her school and so she uh so when i met her um we uh, started dating pretty quickly <laughs> and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Gotcha. And you somehow, after all that, ended up in, in Texas. In Texas, yeah. So, so we ended up back in Virginia because uh, there was a good um, uh, program for uh, her field of study. And so she uh, did that out there, her graduate uh, studies out in Virginia. But then in order to... Um, to finish that. So she's a psychologist. So in order to finish that, she had to do a year of uh, internship, which brought us out to Texas. And actually we had a few choices. Um, and Texas, we ranked, I think we ranked second because, or she ranked second, sorry. Um, but because the other choice was in California where uh, pretty, not too far from where her family lives. Okay. So I think we ranked that first, but um, got Texas, uh, which again, uh, worked out well for us. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been here since 2014, so eight years now. Nice. Um, okay, interesting. So a psychologist, huh? And then what? what is it that, uh, well... I was going to say, what is it you do? But I was also wanting to ask a bunch of questions about how, how it is being married to a psychologist. So I don't know. Well, you can pick do, which one. Yeah, what I do is definitely not as interesting as what she does. Um, so yeah, I'm a system supervisor. I work for a healthcare billing company. Um, I do a lot of uh, kind of system maintenance, um, not physical system maintenance, but more like, you know, making sure that the billing system is performing um in tip-top shape to just to keep things moving uh in the company so that that's what i do um what it's like being married to a psychologist <laughs> she doesn't bring it home uh a lot <laughs> are you sure <laughs> well i i uh i have my suspicions from time to time but i don't think she would ever tell me if you know 
Yeah, I was going to say, if she was yeah, bringing it home, how would you actually know? Exactly. <laughs> She's very good at her job, so I'm pretty sure I would never know. <laughs> Just got to go off trust then, huh? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, cool. So you made it to Texas. You, um, you're established, your wife's established. Um, what, uh, so it was more like work and like life circumstances that brought you here. And spoiler alert for those who don't know, I'm in Texas as well. Um, so what, uh, so you grew up in Virginia, California, Virginia to Texas. Finally, do you think you're here for good or are you guys keeping your options open? Uh, definitely, uh, no plans to, uh, move anywhere. And in fact, you know, one of the things that we did before we moved was to look at like churches, um, in the area that we knew that we would be moving to. And, uh, we found, or we saw that there were a few good ones here in the area that we are now in. And, um, the one that we ended up at, or, or we're still at, and it uh, actually has a uh, classical uh, Lutheran school, um, which now, back then we didn't have kids, um, but now that we do have a couple um, kids of, of our own, uh, um, and our first one has actually just started preschool um, <clears throat> this year. So um, yeah, the, the church uh, has kept us, that is definitely a big big thing for us um if we hadn't found a, a good church in the area uh you know it probably wouldn't have been uh, ranked two uh like it was and um you know it, we wouldn't have been here for eight years now so that was that was very important to us and uh the fact that that it also has a school and now that we're raising kids uh really important hmm. cool interesting um so what tradition or denomination are you in right now we are, are lutheran okay. uh and we're currently a part of the lutheran church missouri synod um but neither of us were raised that way okay so um how like what was your church background then so I was raised uh, Baptist, and it was primarily my mom who took us to church, um, and she took us uh, regularly. So, you know, I, I we were in the church for many years, and um, probably though around like middle school, and in fact, actually the the church that we were at was a really nice church, you know. Um, just a, a good, like close, close knit community. Hmm. And um, now, because I was so young, I don't, I don't remember all the details or what was involved. But uh, I guess suffice it to say that it kind of broke up. You could say. I mean, I, I think it was still there for some time, but it just wasn't. It got to a point where it wasn't the same, and we ended up um, leaving that church. And I uh, never really found another church quite like it. And we um, like uh, hopped from church to church, I guess. 
um, trying out different ones, but never really uh, too pleased with anyone. And, and I don't know that I would say that contributed to it. I mean, I was in public school too at the time. So, you know, when you're only going to church once a week and you're in public school the, the rest of the time, um, you know, what, what's going to have the most influence on you? And it was definitely life outside of church that did for me. So probably around uh, middle school, I would say, you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of interest in the church. I probably was still going just to just to go with my mom. Um, and, you know, definitely I got to a point where I, I would say that I, I wasn't even in the faith anymore at that point. I mean, I still had like uh, beliefs and ideas about God, like in the back of my mind, mm -hmm. but in no way practicing. So that probably lasted uh, through a good amount of college, actually, I would say. What okay, so what um you were going maybe not maybe not a crisis of faith because were you more just apathetic or were you actually hostile to like Christianity? Oh no, never hostile, but you know, wanting to uh do the things that young people do, like party and you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um so like I said, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, and you know, even even when um like I would hear things that would contradict Christianity, I would still kind of uh, not close my ears to them, but I was, um, uh, what's the word? You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't believe them. Like I still held to my uh, ideas about like, you know, Jesus was a real person. He really died and rose again um god really created the earth in six days so all those things i still held to as true but you know obviously the way that i was living uh did not agree with those beliefs so baptists would call that what backsliding i think is the term they would say hey you've yeah, slid I mean, backwards yeah boy that's uh i mean <laughs> that's like backsliding back to zero, like <laughs> at, at best. I mean, it was, so look, so yeah, definitely uh, looking back and now holding to the tenets of Lutheranism that I do now, I can only say that I was, you know, I was not a Christian during those years. Because, hmm. um, you know, there's a difference between like a, like a historical faith where, yeah, you can believe that Jesus, you know, actually died and rose again. But if you don't actually believe that he died and rose again for you and for your own personal sins, then that's not true faith. That's a, that's a historical and even a, a false faith. More of like intellectual assent to a series of principles or a, a proposition or something. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, what is it? I think the, is it James, the book of James, the, the devils believe and tremble, you know, mm -hmm. along those lines. <clears throat> well, so Baptist to Lutheran is a pretty big jump. Um, at least some stripes or streams of Lutheran. So what was like, 
uh, walk me through you were in college when you started to come back to the faith. Was that to just back to kind of your historical Baptist tradition or was that to something else? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so when we were in California, um, my now wife and I, <clears throat> we started uh, actually seeking out uh, churches and uh, specifically now she was raised um, Roman Catholic. So, okay. um, but I guess somehow I'd convinced her to just kind of follow me along, uh, entertain me, I guess you could say. So we started going, uh, checking out some churches. Um, we actually found uh, one Baptist church that we, uh, I wouldn't say we went regularly, but we uh, frequented maybe um, that we liked. Uh, but that, that's really the only one I can think of while we were in California. <laughs> Um, and then when we moved to Virginia, we just kind of started going to the church that my mom, um, was going to at that time. And she's still uh, going to even at this time, but also during that time, I guess there are a couple of things. Um, I, uh, the, the jobs that I was working, uh, during that time allowed me to do stuff like, <clears throat> this was like the the very beginning of podcasts and, and things like that okay. uh, where they you know it wasn't and actually kind of maybe sermon audio I was listening to a lot of sermon audio this was like okay. one of the early I'm so, familiar yeah yeah I'm sure everyone knows the sermon audio now but I mean I think that was it was the that was like the spot for everything yeah like you could find everything there yeah, it was definitely before like uh, Apple Podcasts came along or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure there were probably some kind of podcasting thing, but anyway, I was listening to a lot of sermon audio, um, and I actually uh, switched up what I was studying. So uh, I began my studies as a computer science major because I always I've always been into computers, um, and anyway. I switched it up um, during that time and, and maybe, you know, listening to a lot of the, that stuff on sermon audio and things like that and really starting to get interested in religion um, probably contributed to me switching my major to religion. And I, and I finished um, that as an online program through Liberty University. Okay. But yeah, I really uh, remember really well you know, some of the people that I was listening to um, uh, on, on things like sermon audio and uh, learning a lot of things from. And what, one of the guys, his name was Trevor Hammock, and he's actually here in Texas too, in Abilene. <clears throat> and I don't really know. I don't keep up with him anymore at this point, but um, he, was a, he at least was a Reformed Baptist preacher. And prior to listening to him, I really knew nothing about reformed theology like election i mean i never heard any of that stuff hmm. um but when i did you know i i looked to see if those are the things that scripture actually teaches and uh so yeah definitely during that time i uh, would say i i uh became uh reformed 
in my theology. Uh, you know, I, I believed it, it was very logical to me. Um, mm. The what total depravity, unconditional election. I mean, once almost once you uh, um, recognize election as a biblical teaching, you know, a lot of those things do follow. Um, they they fall in line. So, so yeah, I would say I, I uh, converted, if you will, to uh, reform theology. Um, but he he would play clips from other uh, um, podcasters or preachers or pastors too. And one of the guys he introduced me to was Chris Roseboro. And um, so Chris Roseboro. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, has a uh, discernment ministry where he basically rags on like uh, these, uh, you know, the, the really big uh, evangelical so-called um, preachers and teachers, guys like Stephen Furtick and, you know, uh, Joel Osteen. He just goes to town on him. Yeah. But he's a Lutheran. And, um, you know, his, his program wasn't really explicitly Lutheran, like he wasn't trying to convert people to Lutheranism, but what he would do was drop these little nuggets here and there, these little hints, you know, he'd, he'd say something like, you know, baptism saves, which is what Peter says. Um, right. Or uh, things like that, or baptism is for the remission of sins, which is what Luke says in the book of Acts. So he would drop those things here and there. And uh, so I guess that combined with the fact that I was studying religion at Liberty, you know, I, I took those things seriously. And uh, so during my studies at Liberty, uh, I came to the realization that I believe, believed what Lutheranism teaches and uh, so, yeah, Liberty turned me into a Lutheran. Hmm. <laughs> Chris Rosebro, right? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. That's crazy. I, did, I had no idea. Um, so that's a bit of a jump then, right? You went from, I guess, what, more traditional Baptist or evangelical to how long were you, did you consider yourself Reformed Baptist? Yeah. Reformed um, in any sense you know, probably a few years. And, um, and actually, you know, even before kind of uh, making the, the jump to Lutheranism, I, uh, we, when I, I never considered myself Presbyterian, but we tried some, um, you know, we tried checking out some Presbyterian churches when we were like, because my mom, my mom's church where she's at, um, it, it is a uh, Southern Baptists, and you, I guess within that you can be reformed or not, uh, but they weren't explicitly reformed, and uh, it's a pretty big church, so I also, yeah, I guess we were at the time wanting to also look for something more um, traditional, too, and, you know, less megachurchy uh, praise band stuff, and more... Hmm you know, historic, um, hymnody and uh, worship and stuff like that. Was that, that was before you were Lutheran, even you were drawn to that sort of thing? 
Yeah, so that so like I said, we checked out, you know, we started looking at some Presbyterian churches, never, never, you know, um, considered ourselves Presbyterian, but um, so I guess the transition was uh, straight from Reformed Baptist to Lutheranism. Um, sorry, did, did you ask me a question? <laughs> Um, I don't know, but I forget it. I forget it now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that is pretty interesting because um, what would you then say was like, was there a moment when you were, realized that you were moving in that direction of Lutheranism or was it just like a gradual process? Um, yeah, I, well, you know, in light of the fact that we were, you know, looking for something more historic, um, and then also obviously the uh, the doctrinal issues uh, there too, I would say it was definitely a, a gradual process. I I wouldn't say it, it lasted a, a whole lot of time because, and you know, it definitely didn't because. So funny story. What happened was um, my wife and I we got engaged. And um, we we're gonna have the wedding in California, so uh, so we're in Virginia. Mm -hmm. We go back to California for the wedding. That's where all her family is, and um, and I guess you know my family they'd be more likely to to travel. I guess was the the thing. So the wife, and, and the, the bride gets, yeah, the bride yeah. gets to pick the uh, the the venue. You know, that's true. Yeah, and you know we are living in Virginia, so we you know we're around them all the time, and so we want to go where her family is for the wedding. And so we're looking for a pastor to do our wedding. And uh, we find a Reformed Baptist guy because we're Reformed Baptists at the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this guy, uh, and I think, I think I had reached out to, you know, several people, but some of them didn't want to do it because basically we were living together at the time. And um, which, no, not good, right? But um it, it was what it was and okay. you know we explained to him we're like hey we're trying to do the right thing and he was like yeah i get it you know uh yes i'll do this for you because you know y'all are trying to do the right thing and you know why should i say no when and, and prevent you and so anyway that guy awesome i love that guy he's 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 reformed baptist he's wrong but i love him and can't wait to see him uh in heaven i actually uh lost touch with him unfortunately i mean i kind of know where he's at but we used to keep up on social media but not so much anymore but anyway so we we found this guy reformed baptist he married us. well before we got married we had to break the news to him <laughs> hey we're kind of lutheran now <laughs> we still marry us and uh he did and he tried to kind of talk of it talk us uh, out of it first you know he was like hey do you know would you um would you uh, would you have some time maybe to to chat about some things maybe we can correspond about those things via email and i was open to it and we did um he realized he wasn't changing our minds um so but he still married us and uh so you know that I guess all that's to say the transition lasted, you know, a year or less from Reformed Baptist to Lutheranism. 
um, because that's about how long it was when we found him to, you know, us getting married. How long, so how long after you were married, did you move to Texas? Uh, a year. So we were married in 2013 and then we moved to Texas, uh, in 2014. Gotcha. Okay. And then that was it. You're fully Lutheran, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Fully Lutheran looking for a Lutheran church and, um, yep. Yeah. So you studied religion, right. Or Liberty's virgin version of religion. Um, what was the actual degree called? Uh, a bachelor of science and religion. And it's funny uh, because, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm not a pastor or anything like that. And I'm uh, uh, in uh, healthcare billing. So, you know, I, I, I have to say bachelor of science and religion. So I don't say a BS in religion and people, yeah, well, pretty much a BS in religion because yeah. you're not doing anything with it. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> so, what made you change the major? Did you think you were going to go into some type of religious work or ministry or something like that? Uh, you know, no, actually, I don't, I don't think that was my plan. It's just that was, you know, what I wanted to study and what I was interested in. Yeah, so I, especially at that time, no, I, I had no thought that I was going to become a pastor or anything like that. So interesting. So your, your current degree really kind of has nothing to do with what you're doing for your vocation or your work. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sounds like somebody else I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You, uh, you, you, Moody, was it Moody? No, um, uh, West Coast Baptist College was where oh, I went. Okay. And that was actually in California as well. Just a different part, okay. not as fun as LA. <laughs> so yeah, got my, I don't know if it's a BS, I think it's a BRE, Bachelor of Religious Education in that church. Yeah, well, I don't know if it does or not, but <laughs> yeah. And then I'm in, I'm in essentially medical field as well. So fun yep. times. Uh, it was important. Like it was uh, obviously it had, uh, I think it had some effect, um, it allowed me the time to really um, closely study and, and figure out what I believed. And uh, I guess without uh, that time, uh, who knows if I would have become a Lutheran. I don't know. Hmm. What, what do you think, um, what do you think your future plans are for your vocation? Are you happy in the field you're in? Are you looking for other things? What are you doing? Um. You know, I, I've never really been like a real kind of ambitious person. I just kind of take things as they come to me. Mm. And, you know, right now, now with two kids, two young kids, uh, that's definitely the focus. So wanting to, you know, train them up in the right way, um, give them a solid grounding and foundation. Uh, and have some more kids maybe um hopefully lord willing what's so, the goal what's the what's the number goal do you have one my number goal is different from my wife's number goal for obvious reasons but um my my goal uh you know actually we uh, we had a period of time where we uh were trying for a long time like five years almost uh unable oh. to have kids 
So uh, we finally did, and our first was born in 2019. So she's three years old now. And, um, and then the Lord blessed us again with the second one, and uh, he's nine months. So, <clears throat> you know, we're uh, mid-30s, so not a whole lot of time left. Um, but, you know, maybe uh, we can make the most of it. And, uh, you know, we just want to see them grow into um, uh, good Christian adults. So that's the goal. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, maybe if, they, if something comes along along the way or, you know, after they're older, I might consider uh, pursuing something else. Uh, you know, once my, I maybe have the ability to uh, have a different sphere of influence among, you know, doing something else uh, and, and no longer raising uh, fam uh, yeah, young kids at that point. Yeah, as a fellow parent of young children, they, I don't know, they're a little emotional, physical, <laughs> mental vampires, I'd say. They just kind of, they suck everything out of you, man. It's just, yep, they take everything. Yeah. But, you know, the reward is so great, right? So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're such a joy. They're just they're a joy they're a blessing they're also incredibly incredibly tiring <laughs> so yeah uh well so okay you're a system supervisor you went to school for religion you're thinking about you know hey what what's the what's on the horizon then kids are grown you have options what do you what do you want to pursue then yeah well there's definitely a time where i wanted to go to seminary um okay well, before we had kids but now that we right. do uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, potentially still an option. I, I don't really know what it, um, what things will look like th that far down the road, but I mean, it's certainly something I'd be open to, um, and, uh, consider doing. I'm also, you know, very interested in, um, you know, things like politics. So I also serve as, uh, the precinct chair for our precinct uh, here in North Texas. So, um, if anything opened up in that regard, you know, I'd be open to that too. Um, hmm. politician you know, I, 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 or pastor. I mean, how do you decide <laughs> both well, equally you know, important, right? Well, what I'm hoping is that, you know, in, in 10, 20 years or however many, I'm, um, far more mature. And at that point, you know, maybe I'll be, uh, you know, pastor wouldn't, wouldn't, would make some sense, but, you know, now <laughs> it, at this point, a politician would probably make uh, more sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen how some young politicians act in Congress and stuff like that. And I am, I tend to side more on the seasoned side of things now where some of them are just embarrassments on, in both parties, honestly. Some of them, um, the vast majority of them. Well, I'm talking about specifically about the really young ones that we've oh. had over the past few years. Oh yeah, they're terrible. I mean, um, brief. Both parties. Yep. So, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd love to go there and uh, do battle with some of these younger uh, 
there, it, it seems to me that we need to shrink the age range that's allowed. Like let's let's take out some of the geriatrics, you know, take them out of their spots, and uh, we can maybe sh- bring it up to like you know mid thirties or something for the on the low end. I don't know. Maybe that would solve some of what we're currently in. Well, it's certainly a different day now, right, than it was two hundred years ago. So, um, you know, your your twenty five year olds or whatever are not what they used to be. Yeah, largely that's true. My wife and I were just talking about something similar like that tonight. Um, how adolescence has kind of been prolonged in many ways. So now it's almost like uh, maturity as an adult doesn't come around until, you know, late 20s in some cases, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. before yeah. it was a teenager was a small adult, you know, that was had a lot more responsibility and like weight and gravity to their life, it seemed. I yeah, mean, I might just sound like a boomer at this point, but... Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm really interested, especially in the, uh, the intersection of uh, faith and civil, civil life. Um, So, you know, our society, we have so many more fundamental issues that obviously, you know, but, you know, a lot of the people involved in um, politics are, I mean, they're just, you know, the, the Republicans, they're always, they're what, 10 years behind the Democrats, basically, they're, they're trying to hold the line and not really um, making any good uh, advancements of their own. And so society just continues to decline, just, you know, as slowly as the Republicans will let it, right, basically. Are they, so, they're the ones, they're the ones who are, let's see, the Dem, Democrats are speeding down the highway with no seatbelt. And the Republicans are going down at the speed limit and with their seatbelts on, yet they're still going in the same direction. Is that the, I probably butchered it, but I've heard that (laughs) illustration before. Yeah, something like that. Um, Whereas, you know, I I would, I would go in there and I'd uh, definitely have some more, uh, I guess you could say, take some more extreme measures, I guess you could say, but in in my view, they're they're not very extreme. they're just they're just common sense <laughs> yeah i was gonna say is that is that code or is the fbi gonna come knock on your door any second sorry, sorry. first episode <laughs> get them off the air um huh interesting yeah i'm saying interesting a lot that's gonna be fun to edit out <laughs> um so you're precinct chair what uh what does that entail like what's your what are your responsibilities um so one of the things I get to do is I get to go to uh, the county uh, meetings for our party and I you know, get to vote on things, get to have a say, um, get to uh, have some influence in that regard. And then the other uh, primary responsibility is really getting out and uh, getting people to vote and um, keeping people informed in, uh, in your area or in my area. Um, now I will say I haven't done the best in that regard, <laughs> definitely, uh, more active in the, uh, I guess you could say the more theoretical side, since it's, you know, a matter of making judgments on things. And that's kind of my personality 
too. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I get to go to those meetings and uh, have some influence there. And uh, definitely need to get out more and be more active though uh, in the area and getting to know people. How much of your how much of your time does that take up? Um, so during uh, so the month the the meetings are monthly, and you know they can be uh, short. It can be a couple hours long. Um, but definitely you know it, it ramps up during like uh, campaign season. Uh, so every couple of years um, before election day. Uh, that's when all, uh, most of the work takes place. So, nice story. yeah, my my precinct chair actually blocked me on Facebook because <laughs> I didn't like the rhino candidates that she was uh, endorsing in oh. pri- in the primaries. Oh. She wasn't. She was being like, I kind of assume that if you're like a precinct chair, you're supposed to be for your current party, and you're not really a kingmaker, but for whatever reason, this particular person decided to side with a candidate in the primaries and worked for them. So you need to run was, again. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have the time or the inclination, honestly. <laughs> I yeah, actually, so ours was vacant. So that's how I got mine. I never okay. run anybody. <laughs> Where I live, there's a there's a lot of them for our town um it's a i mean it's a fairly large town or slash city whatever you want to call it <clears throat> so there's a lot of precincts and she just happens to be in mine and since i've since we've recently moved i'm officially in hers now and i thought it was hilarious that i'm actually blocked on facebook she's unblocked me a few times and then blocked me again i don't know why i don't know what i did i don't don't really directly interact with her very much it's just kind of a mystery, you know. It's like, oh wow, okay, she didn't, she didn't like me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she, well, I, I could not come up with a reason to ever block you. Oh, I bet you could <laughs> if you tried. Let's see how this how this episode performs. <laughs> uh, what else? What else do you do outside of uh, work and and home? What are your hobbies I- or interests or? Uh-huh. So I um, I definitely think of myself as like a jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> so <laughs> lots of interests, you know. Besides, um, obviously, uh, things pertaining to uh, the Christian life, you know, reading and reading theology, things like that. But also like you know, gardening, woodworking, you know, building things, fixing things. Um, but you know, as I said, master of none of those, <laughs> so I can enjoy doing them, but I, uh, would not consider myself an expert in a lot of these things by any means. Um, I also, uh, obviously uh, spend a lot of time, most of, most of our time at church, um, I do also serve as, uh, on the board of elders at our uh, current church there um so uh put put a good amount of time into that um but you know we also we we uh bought our first house in 2019 uh, which i never want to do again so that's probably another thing that'll keep me uh 
uh, planted here in Texas. <clears throat> but uh, so as you know, uh, that is a never ending list of things to do, but yeah. uh, enjoyable in many ways, many times, not all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, time is definitely uh, scattered uh, among a lot, a lot of various interests. Um, so uh, another interest, so I mentioned gardening, but actually uh, one of the things that really interests me about gardening is this uh, thing called permaculture. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> it's more of like, a, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not your typical, you know, let's plant things nice and orderly um, and have it like, you know, this kind of manufactured look, but more of like, uh, you know, replicating nature in a way <laughs> in your own yard. So that's, um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, it's something I'm very interested in, but, you know, I can only put as much time into it as I have. So is that uh, just an excuse to, you know, for your bad lawn? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, I have others. I have, I have other excuses for my bad lawn. Oh, okay. I, I was just assuming you had a bad lawn. I just made a guess, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely out there experimenting. And, uh, you know, thankfully I have very uh, forgiving neighbors. So they, uh, they don't mind my experimentation. And, and actually, uh, we're a pretty uh, young family here in our neighborhood. So it's a pretty, um, it's an older neighborhood. So a lot of the people here are, you know, they're retired. Um, their kids are all grown up. And, uh, and they're just, I mean, they're all really just lovely people. And, um, you know, they, they send gifts to our kids and things like that. But you know, they, they're probably just uh, chalk it up to, oh, well, there's the, the crazy young people doing, um, you know, whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> They'll figure it out. <laughs> so you don't have an HOA, basically, breathing down your neck. No, no. And uh, thank God for that, because that, man, it's, it's difficult to not have an HOA here in Texas, as you know. So yeah. really glad. To... Ours is unobtrusive. As far as I, as far as I can tell, there are some neighborhoods where I've heard just horror stories, but ours seems to be, you know, a lot of money for nothing at this point. <laughs> Honestly, it's not that bad cost or cost wise. Um, but still, you know, it's like, what, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. If I had to choose between paying someone to tell me what I can or can't do with my property or to pay someone to basically leave me alone, I'd pay the person to leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we're doing so far. So, I mean, we've only been in this place for five months, maybe six months. So we'll see how it goes. See if there's any, uh, some of the lawns, I got to say, some of the lawns in our neighborhood, clearly the HOA doesn't care that much. So well, um, next time I have you over, I'll have to make sure that, um, you know, we're, ours is nice and tidy. I can, I can bring my mower if you want, you know, we can we get a joint project. Uh, uh. uh, so you mentioned reading like theology and sort of that sort of thing. What, what types of books are, well, let's rephrase it. What's on your nightside table right now 
for reading if you if you do that yeah i do i do keep some books by the bed um i don't do as much reading in the bed well one because i'm a night owl so i'll just be out you know uh, up all night you know and not necessarily in bed um the other reason is we have a nine month old sleeping in our bed right now so <laughs> Uh, if, if I am reading, it's usually maybe on the phone or the iPad or something, but I do keep some books by the bed, some, some easier, uh, or lighter reading or something, you know, that I can just kind of dip into, um, for, you know, however long I'll be laying there before I fall asleep. So, uh, I believe right now I've got a church history book there, um, the one i think it's bruce shelley is the author of that i think one. i read that one yeah yeah I, I haven't gotten a whole lot a lot into that um but i have some other thing uh, i guess a lot of the, the books i have there are uh, more like historical kind of books because um those those just uh for me at least are the kind of easier reads in the evening uh they don't take a whole lot of concentration it's not like um you know, reading a dogmatics book or something like that. So yeah, history books, uh, I think a couple on like some like biographical books, uh, small, small biographical sketches of like uh, the American founding fathers. Um, and then some, some literature uh, there too. I think, I think I have a poetry book there, but um yeah so, not a whole lot that goes on uh going on <laughs> around the, the bedside table <laughs> so you you actually read books that most people just say they read what it sounds like <laughs> i try to, <laughs> try to. Uh, i i try to um as you know it's it's challenging with young kids but um so, so yeah, it's it's after they go to bed that I'll you know I'll be able to finally pull the book out. I I, I try to read sometimes when they're around, but it's near impossible. <laughs> yeah, you get through like half a paragraph and have to start over, or I have to read it like thirteen times uh, to understand what's what it's saying. Gotcha. So what's actually on your reading list right now? Not necessarily by the table, but. Uh... Mm. Right now, um, so so one of oh, well, uh, maybe I could have mentioned this is one of the things that I do. I mean, I, I like to you know just kind of talk theology with people, and um, you know one of the ways that we can do that is through social media. So um, <laughs> not not the best way to do it, but it's a it's way better than nothing. Better than nothing. Yeah, you know it's what well, what's the. Uh, what's the saying by francis bacon that conference maketh a ready man or something like that you know if you don't sure sure if you never talk to people um like have serious conversation or try to have serious conversations with people then when they finally come up um you're, you're not going to know what to say right so it's a it's a good exercise at least um so well one of the topics that's been coming up uh, a lot lately is uh free will and um uh you know things surrounding that so i've been um 
just kind of reading uh, some some books on on the topic of free will. I started with I kind of started with um, uh, some um, smaller reads, I guess you could say, and kind of working my way out from there. So uh, right now I'm <clears throat> reading through. Uh, Martin Chemnitz's section from his um, the his dogmatics uh, books on um, free will and uh, on sin and and concerning contingency and then I think from there I'll probably read um, I'll probably either read uh, Johann Gerhard uh, his volume on uh, the same topic or Martin Luther. I haven't really decided which one I'll read next. Would that, uh, be, that would be Martin Luther's The Bondage of the Will, uh, which I read a long time ago, but um, I read it when I was uh, still a Calvinist. So I need to that's, go back and reread it as a Lutheran. That's like the only book of Luther's that Calvinists actually read. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, they, They're they, like, oh, this guy agrees with me on everything. No need to read anything else he's got. Uh, yeah, they like to try to... Um, uh basically claim him as their own just solely based on that book right <laughs> they should they should keep reading they might not like what they find <laughs> yeah um but yeah so sometimes you know I'll, I'll read through like um just read through a book or i'll i'll you know kind of uh take one topic at a time or something like that so that's kind of what i'm um on right now interesting no and, and i mean that sincerely um it's definitely because I, I think i'm in probably some of the same groups you are not all of them maybe but uh and some of those some of those discussions can be well some of them are interesting some of them are like scholarly in some sense and you know well reasoned or at least you know well thought out and then others are they're just dumpster fires, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to uh, pick and choose which ones you get involved in. And yeah. I mean, this particular topic, uh, it, it can, it can be very in depth and um, sometimes uh, a lot of uh, philosophical reasoning um, is, it enters into the discussion. So uh, but it's a really important one. So free will, that's, that's more about, um, in some senses, how can man approach God? How does God approach man in the sense of, maybe in the sense of um, what people think of as like the initial sort of salvation experience? And then would it be um, like man's responsibility or man's ability? ability to do good works and that sort of thing is it all in there or is it more focused on one of those uh yeah there are a lot of <clears throat> questions that come up concerning uh free will so yeah like you mentioned you know what is man's ability for example in conversion or what you know what what's his part in in conversion and um you know from there you can kind of even divide up the stages of conversion. <laughs> and this is uh, what um, some, some writers do. And so, yeah, man, he's entirely passive at this, in this, these stages of conversion, but then in these stage, in this stage, you know, he, his, uh, 
he he does because God uh, gives him new powers uh, to will to believe, and then um, you know man begins to cooperate <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit whom he receives in um, uh, in in conversion and justification and regeneration and um, <clears throat> and then you know what's what's man's uh, ability after that uh, is he mm. uh, you know is does he have some kind of liberty at that point and um, uh, in what regards so so yeah lots of questions and, and then the the other one of the other questions that comes into play is you know uh, are do all things take place by necessity <clears throat> so um, you break that uh, down like I'm five <laughs> yeah so you know we we can talk about God's uh, foreknowledge and predestination and so what does his predestination apply to some Calvinists will, will say that basically anything that comes to pass God has predestined it <laughs> so you know even whatever anything um some calvinists will say that not all and um but so you know hmm. is that true that would be one of the questions or even you know if god knows all things so even if he doesn't predestine them but he knows them so he knows you know what you're going to uh eat tomorrow night for dinner um then could it happen otherwise? And if it can't, then does it mean that that takes place by necessity? So like you have, you actually have no choice. Uh, you have no free will in that. Um, so does, those are some of the questions that come up. And, uh, you know, if, if yeah. and, and really the main question is, well, is God the cause of sin? So does, um, you know, whenever a person sins, does that person sin uh, of his own, you know, so-called free will? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, is does he sin because that's what he was pre predestined to do by God, who is ultimately the cause of even um, people's sins? And that's really uh, the big question. And, um, you know, some people... <laughs> Some Calvinists, they'll just say, yeah, 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 he's the, uh, he predestines all things. Therefore, he, uh, he's, he's the uh, author and cause of even evil. Um, and they try to get, get around this and, and, you know, make it palatable in various ways. But um, even the ones, you know, who want to deny it, uh, while they still kind of have to um, explain their position in uh in a way but I, I haven't really found um a good one from, from that hmm. camp either so i think we're gonna have to do an entire episode probably on this topic because <laughs> it's fascinating to me um i i grew up more free will traditional free will baptist um which might be called semi-pelagian in some circles Whereas, you know, the gospel is effectual of a call enough for you to respond. The focus on in our Bible college was on, you know, soul winning and and being a good, you know, it sounds crass to say this, but being a good salesman for the gospel. 
um, selling Jesus door to door, you know, and hope that someone believes you and prays a prayer. Um, and then I was reformed for several years where, and, you know, and I believe rightly embraced, uh, you know, election and, you know, election unto salvation, God initiating salvation. Um, so, um, and obviously I've seen some of those discussions too, where the Calvinist would say, so one Calvinist would say, God literally is the author of evil without blinking. And then another one would say, no, that's not true. You know, and then, you know, there's another one taking a third position. Uh-huh. What, um, man, we're, we'll have to do another episode because there's so many ways we could go with this. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's and, pencil know, that in. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's kind of what I'm on right now. And, um, but you know, from there I'll, I'll move on to, uh, another book or topic or something like that. Just now, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but Luther's position, and I would say, I'm assuming the Lutheran position because the Lutheran confessions are more than just Luther. Um, he's not the sole author. He's not the Lutheran Pope, right. Or the um, necessary. He's one of the main, obviously uh, figures, but his position on that would, would be um, man is responsible for their sin. God is responsible for drawing man toward salvation, conversion, um, and if I'm remembering the terminology correctly, um, we can, man in an unregenerate state, in a fallen state, can choose civil righteousness in some senses. Like, you know, he, we have free will to choose to eat and to drink and to, you know, go to the store or whatever, but we don't have the freedom to choose the good in a spiritual sense. Is that accurate yeah that's definitely um an accurate portrait of the uh the essential lutheran understanding of um you know man's part in uh in salvation or or lack thereof i guess you could say that he is Mm. uh, (laughs) it's true (laughs) yeah it is god we are um a lot i mean i don't i don't prefer to i don't use this term often but um uh, one of one of the terms that people like to use today is monergist, uh, which is to say, you know, that uh, salvation is uh, by God alone, um, not not sinner as opposed to synergism, which is you know that man has some part in it uh, as well. Mm. So uh, we would definitely, uh, if we were to uh, uh, ascribe either of those terms to ourselves um, would be on the side of the, the monergists. So the uh, unable to choose the good spiritually, unable to bring us ourselves to salvation, but able to choose perhaps civil righteousness of some type or good deeds in a secular sense. Is that, would you say that's the, the broadly the Calvinist view as well? Like the, I'm, I'm talking like mainstream kind of Calvinism. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because, because they, they would definitely, you know, be monergists concerning, uh, salvation. So uh, man has no part. Um, uh, he has, he has no, or, he exercises no like free will capabilities to 
choose salvation for himself. Um, but as far as like uh, civil righteousness or uh, external good works, that's a really good question. And I'm um, not too sure. It's, it, it's not one of the topics that I really thought a whole lot about back when I was reformed. And, mm. uh, and you know, the ones that I've talked to uh, at least lately, like they don't, they don't focus a whole lot on the, uh, okay. the, the civil, um, civil righteousness or, or good works or anything like that. And, and because you can, now I would say actually that, uh, like the strict determinist position, I mean, it's, it's not too far off from mainstream when it comes to Calvinism. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard James White make this, for example, make this argument over and over again that, um, well, if God knows that, you know, what you're going to eat for dinner tomorrow, then can you do anything other than that? I mean, he, this is one of his go-to things. So, Well, my question would be, do we, can we answer that from scripture? Or... And, that, and this is not a, a, intended as a gotcha, but it's like, do we have an answer to that particular question in scripture or do we have to get there through some other means? Do you have an opinion on that? Like concerning, uh, so yeah, so the, the, the explicit question in that matter is does God's foreknowledge um, uh, create necessity? Um, okay. and so would that question be answered in scripture, at least like, um, pertaining to external good works? Um, well, yeah, Even... the, the answer is that God is not the cause of sin. <laughs> so right. that's the, uh, would that be the negative side, right? We, God is not the cause of sin. Right. Um, so, but is he the cause? I don't know. It's 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 uh, maybe a little past my pay grade here. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, so as as far as extra, I'd, I'd had definitely have to think about that. The uh, well, yeah, I was more thinking about that that example of well, what do you have for supper tomorrow night? Well, I, you know, I haven't decided that yet. Mm-hmm. God knows it, right? He knows everything. He's omniscient. He has foreknowledge. Oh, right. We would say we would say he is. I mean, I think I've I've probably said it something like this before. He is outside of time, right? He is timeless in a sense. He's not bound to temporal concerns like we are. Um, yeah. Have you have you seen the or you may have see, heard or seen this illustration before? There's the like the three dots on a chalkboard or on a whiteboard. It's like these are your life, and then there's this line you know, that extends from before to the, to, you know, to after ours consists of this. Well, God is standing back here viewing everything, mm. you know, like, in that one. well, it's, it's pretty good. I don't, I don't think I invented it, but if I did, um, I'll take credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> I, I've heard that. I heard that from someone. So, but yeah, it was more of a sense like God does know everything. Therefore is is it does it come to pass because he knows it and like you said of necessity yeah oh so yeah so now um 
so so yeah what i what i would actually what i'd go back to is um is to the garden uh to genesis because <laughs> um man was created with free will he had the ability to choose the good spiritually he also had the ability to choose the evil um and what he lost in the fall was not the ability to um you know choose you know what he's going to eat um for dinner what he lost was the ability to choose anything good spiritually so so yeah that's probably where i would start with that or answering that question because you know hmm. man was created with that ability to you know eat from this tree or from this other tree what would you say uh, to what would you say to well, what would you say then to a Calvinist who um, would argue that they didn't ha- actually have free will? Because not everyone would argue that. Not every Calvinist would argue that. So, but I, I have seen some people that say, you know, um, Adam and Eve, you know, because God knew that was going to happen, there was no other possible scenario or no other possible alternative. Yeah. Um, well- I think the basic response to that, that if God knows something, therefore it happens of necessity is, uh, I don't think that like logically follows. So, so you can talk about God knowing something, um, you know, knowing that it's going to take place or you can, that he caused it himself, that he actually brought it about by his own, um, <laughs> omnipotent power or working or uh, you know exercise of his will because we do Uh, see that we do see that kind of juxtaposition as at times in scripture right they're not necessarily always tied together uh so yeah so uh, like you know something happening where god didn't necessarily himself bring it about um as in the case of sins and then you know Mm -hmm. god actually doing something um you know by uh, exercising his his own almighty power yeah we definitely see those two different things happening in the calvinist camp you know there are those uh there are those as you mentioned that would say you know man didn't even in the garden didn't have free will um there i think there are those who would say otherwise too but you know to the ones who and and even those they'll they there are many who use different terms so or or the same term differently because you know one calvinist might say god ordained the fall um and by that mean that he basically brought it about he caused it himself um because this was his plan from eternity but there are others who would say that god ordained the fall but not not in that sense, not in the sense that he actually himself caused it, but that I don't know what they mean at that point, <laughs> to be honest. Um, still trying to kind of figure that out. But um, gotcha. but yeah, Sorry. for those who would say like you know, God caused the fall, I mean, they make him the cause of evil at that point, which is huh. a fundamental uh, article of the faith that um, can't be, you know, transgressed uh, for any hmm. reason. So not to fit your theological system or, you know, yeah, for anything, God, him, God is good. Uh, and yeah. no evil in him. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I think they were talking about, it was either free will or original sin coincidentally. 
And um, the pastor that was speaking was basically referring, he referred to sin in, I think, its initial form as more of an absence of what is good than direct, like, like in a sense of their evil and sin is not this actual matter. It's more of an absence of the goodness of God. Um, and I don't really know if I'd heard it quite articulated in that way before. Yeah, I think I've cool. seen I've seen something like that maybe on like Eastern Orthodox um, chats or something like that. But yeah, it would be interesting to know what podcast that was or what you know background they're coming from. But I yeah, I mean, uh, we I'd certainly agree with them um, <clears throat> that evil is not. Uh, actually a substance itself it's a a lack i think that was yeah yeah, and so i mean if if you think about it you know back in the garden god created all things and he looked at his creation he saw that it was very good um so evil is not a creation or a, a creature of god um evil is brought about by um satan and the will of um of man um and it's a corruption of actually what god had created to be very good it's a creation and um uh or not creation a a corruption um of the good creation of god and uh and 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 actually the one one place that this comes up in our lutheran our own lutheran confessions it, it very importantly is um uh, concerning the, uh, concerning the person of the son of God, because, um, and the question explicitly really is concerning original sin. So, you know, uh, if, if sin were actually a, uh, a substance, a creation of God, such that it, um, belonged it now belongs to man's nature um that he is inherently sinful uh not not simply that he has a sinful nature but that his actual human nature is sin then the son of god cannot take um uh, upon himself a human nature that is without sin and so we must make this distinction between the human nature uh, which God created to be good and the corruption of that human nature, which is not essential to that human nature, but is only accidental. Um, so that's, that's uh, one of the important places that it comes up um, in our own Lutheran confessions. And we would uh, wholehearted, wholeheartedly agree on that point that uh, sin is not a creature of God. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's another uh, extremely fascinating discussion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a great thing about theology. And uh, one of the books I one of the books I read when I was at Liberty, our um, I guess you could call it our systematics textbook, uh, introduced me to this idea of uh, theology as being the queen of the sciences. And uh, and I just <laughs> love that because you know all theology it it deals with uh, obviously with with God um, and uh, anthropology, so with man, but yeah. also you know philosophy 
and history. And, um, and we have Christian art. Uh, so, you know, it just deals in, in all matters. And, um, and I, I just love that uh, about theology. The visitor. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Belle. She's uh, apparently not been fed yet, so. Oh, poor girl. That's why she's that's why she's bothering me. I thought I thought that uh, she's someone else. What's that? She's handling it pretty well. When my son hasn't been fed, I mean, he loses it. Yeah, yeah. It's I'll be cooking dinner on the stove, and my daughter will be like, "Daddy, I'm hungry." I'm like, <laughs> "I uh, hi, hungry. I'm dad, of course." After we get that out of the way, um, I'll be like, "You know, I'm making you dinner right now. Can you wait for ten more minutes?" but i'm hungry I'm like i understand that doesn't make this cook any faster <laughs> it's so funny oh man this has been fun um we will need to do an entire program on theology i think so be glad to do it well we'll wrap up there then i uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat um thanks for joining everybody if you liked it um or if you enjoyed the conversation, go ahead and like the video. It helps out with the YouTube algorithm. If you leave a comment, it helps out even more. And of course, if you did really enjoy it and would like to see more of this, um, then please don't forget to hit the subscribe button before you leave. Uh, so if you if you enjoyed it, we appreciate you checking us checking out the rest of our channel. Um, until we meet again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you, Monica. Have a good night. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. <laughs>